Welcome to a brand new episode of Cup of EO, the tea break size podcast that gets to the heart of the important topics in the world of voiceover. Expect candid stories, top tips and sage advice as I chat with expert guests who are at the top of their game in the voiceover industry. I'm your host, Kimberly Parker, tea addict and VOpreneur. And this week, I'll be spilling the tea on demo reels from the producers who make them. Obviously, they are very important because without a good commercial demo or gaming demo, you're realistically not going to be able to get into the areas of the industry that you want to. Do I need a professional demo? This question comes up all the time on voiceover groups and forums, and the short answer is, yes, you do. I totally appreciate that getting a professional demo produced is expensive, and if you're just starting out, you might not have that extra cash lying around. I would, however, hold off until you can afford it. Now, most people fall off their chairs when they see how much recording a professional demo reel can cost. But the best way to look at it is that it's an investment in your voiceover business, a tax-deductible one, no less. And most good demos pay for themselves many times over in lucrative VO opportunities in no time. In this episode, I want to find out from two people who are first and foremost voice reel producers to find out how important they think demos are to a voiceover's career and what their process is before, during and after recording day. Introducing Rich O'Donoghue, producer and creative director of IO Audio and Nick Clinch, producer and owner of Notable Voices. I've included more information about both of them in the show notes, so be sure to check those out after the episode. Super, super duper important. Um, You know, it's a part of your shop window and having that real really showcases what you can do as a voice artist and gives um, your clients an idea of what kind of scripts to cast you for. And when it comes to genres, um, you know, a question that I get asked a lot is, should I have multiple genres on one reel? Uh, Which is great if you have what we do, uh, what we create is like a mega mix type reel where people can have lots of genres. But when it goes out there on your website or when you're on a voice directory, then separate those genres so that people can access that and it's not lost in one reel having people come to the studio is really great to kind of build that rapport and and also give them chance to get to know me to get to know their environment to relax and i find that i'm able to get the best out of them when they come to the studio i kind of act like a mirror for people um so that when they give me a performance i kind of reflect that back to them and say uh, you know, this is that's why I like doing the uh, compare and contrast between the first and the last read. So you can listen to your first in- interpretation of the script, and then you can listen to the, the the directed version. The difference between the first take and the directed take uh, is just so vast sometimes um, that people are really surprised. So that is my job, and it all starts with you coming to the studio, getting you all relaxed, and. Uh, you know, just have that whole process of getting to know you a little bit so that ultimately we can get the best performances out of you and, and that ends up on the reel. 
I always have to advise when people ask for the scripts early on that please don't practice them um, too much. Just get a feel for them, you know, get an understanding. There's nothing wrong with like breaking the scripts down and like where should I do this and what kind of performance do I want to give and uh, and yeah, have a nice idea, but actually performing them over and over again to yourself. Yeah, that that can be can, that can be quite difficult. And taking direction from anybody, whether it's me or going into a real life directed session with somebody, taking direction is half the battle. And it's it's a skill that you need as being able to place yourself in the hands of the voice director and say, just do with me what you will and what you need to. It usually comes down to confidence um, that they won't step out of their kind of safety barrier and explore uh, different ways of voicing the same script. Th those are the kind of main things that I, I run into. My experience is uh, from commercial production. So I was directing multiple voiceovers every day for you know lots of different types of scripts we would have like 10 scripts a day 10 commercials per day and some of those scripts might have three voices so you know you, you you're probably looking at sometimes doing 10 15 voice sessions a day and obviously there's lots of different types of direction within those scripts that you need to provide and so, yeah, that's where my experience from voice direction came from. I remember my first voice directed session as clear as day. I was nervous. I was really nervous because um, I was working with somebody who'd been, you know, working in the industry for 30 odd years and it was, I was directing them, you know, I was giving them direction. Um, but what once I got into it, I really enjoy giving voice direction and, and working with people. And this idea of theatre of the mind has always uh, really interested me. I did it as part of my dissertation at university. So uh, like the psychology behind sound and how sound affects us all comes into play when you're directing somebody. So if somebody reads a script to me and I can't feel what they're saying, then I know that they don't believe in what they're talking about as much as they should do. So it, it, it all plays on um, and feeling. And then my job is to kind of engage with the artist and make sure that we kind of break those barriers down so that they translate the script in a believable way and that we kind of push down the barriers that they might be holding up against themselves um, to be able to do that. So being in that position, being able to direct voices and artists is a real I find is a really privileged place to be because not only are you trying to get the best read for the script to go out on air or to go out on a demo um, but you're also um, the, the voice artist is placing themselves in your hands and so um, you know there's a lot there's a kind of trust uh, element there as well that they trust you um, to get them to do reads or to pull them out of the, their comfort zone and and just really open up and let go of themselves and just and just go with it. You know, as a as a voice director myself, I love it when people come up with ideas. Oh, can we do it this way? Or can we try this way of, of thinking about doing this type of voice for it? Or, uh, you know, and just having ideas as to how how to perform the script is, is, is really good as well. 
So, yeah, there, there are voiceover trends and we always try to highlight those within the script. So when people have scripts written with us, we try to include so that ultimately the voice reel sounds very up, up to date with what's going on in the industry and voiceover trends. I would say, you know, when you do real work and you manage to get the real work, the real audio, you know, put it onto your showreel because you're showcasing real work that you've been booked for. And then, you know, sort of six, every six months, six to 12 months, update it as much as you want to as a lot along the, the way with real work, but then maybe sit down and have a real good listen to it and say, Ask yourself, what is missing from the showreel? What am I not getting booked for that I could be getting booked for? What can happen is that you become pigeonholed for a certain type of read, and then your voice reel ends up sounding all the same with those types of reads on it, whereas you can do a lot more than that, and and you want to showcase that. Um, So, yeah, I have people come to me who have been in this industry a long, long time and they've gained work for a certain type of read, but they can do lots of other things and that's what they want to showcase themselves for as well. So uh, we can write bespoke scripts to help bring those types of reads out and then you can mix that in with existing material. And yes, like you say, it's very much an organic thing that you look at constantly and, and update. Demo rolls are obviously super important. They're your CVs. Um, so I think people can put too much pressure on their demo reels. I think a lot of people worry so, so much about their demos. And people sometimes forget that they can be more modular. The current market demands quite tailored and bespoke demos. So one thing that I suggest is to kind of look at it as, as, as an ongoing project. Not necessarily say you have to always come to a demo producer to do that, but even if it comes to the order of your demos, right? So the nice thing about having like single files when you create your demos and making sure that you're nice and varied is that you can tailor the order of them and also you can update spots as you get better and you find new skills as well. Obviously, they are very important because without a good commercial demo or gaming demo, you're realistically not going to be able to get into the areas of the industry that you want to. So you do need good professional ones because, you know, you've got to remember that everyone else applying probably does have professional ones. Realistically, if you're going to do the traditional thing of get your demo and then wait a few years, I would say probably every three or four years is appropriate. Two, three, four years, two might be slightly early, but it depends on how quickly the markets change. Uh, the commercial market, for example, God, every year we've got a new trend and every year there are things that people want to hear more of and want to hear less of. But if it's still on trend and things are good, I think three or four years should be fine. For me, it all comes down to people being comfortable. Um, I've noticed that, you know, when you start a session, tensions are high, the shoulders are at the ears, everyone's quite stressed and it's just about relaxing and playing. I guess because my background used to be in music, I've been able to kind of look at it in a much more creative way than maybe some sessions that feel a little bit more corporate. And I just try to make it all feel a little bit more relaxed. And I find once people are relaxed, they can get the most out of them. And also by just having the opportunity to explore because the artists have it all in them. It's just all my job is just pulling it out and finding it. So by having the opportunity of time, you know, we have time in our sessions. So we take the time to have a play, try some different things, see what works, see what doesn't, laugh and play with the scripts and get comfortable with them. And then by by that time, the artist has figured out what they want to do with it and then they can express themselves. So it's just having, facilitating the space 
to then make them able to feel comfortable to do what they want with it. I think a stifled environment, there's nothing worse for creativity, is there? Like, I get a lot of emails being like, hey, I've just signed. And that's the whole point of this, you know, is why I spend so long in the studio editing those demos is because I want people to succeed. So getting those emails of kind of, oh, I've signed to this agent or I've booked my first job or I've just been nominated for something, it just makes it makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? And like you say, that validation makes you realise, OK, I'm, I'm on the right tracks. For me, what I wanted to create was a little bit of, a, of, a, of an ecosystem because what I didn't want to do was get your demos done, kick you out the door and say, see you later, because often people don't actually know what to do with their demos, especially if they're not voice artists, but if they're actors who want to do voiceover. As far as demos go, people think, I put it on my spotlight and then happy days. And I wanted to let people know that, you know, there is more opportunities out there and there is more you can do. Because I'm sure, as you know, it's quite a solitary existence working in voiceover, isn't it? You sit in your soundproof room and you kind of just hope for the best. And I wanted to create an opportunity where people could bounce questions off me. I might not know all the answers, um, but I can at least be a sounding board for people. It'd be a nice way to round off the service to make sure that people know that I'm here. And, you know, three years later, I, I might record a demo of someone in 2020 and I get an email from them just asking a question and I'm more than happy to always answer because that's what I think part of the reason that this industry is so great. And I think one thing that draws people to this industry is the open armness of everyone. Um, even though you might be competing for similar jobs, people still want their colleagues to do well. And, you know, that's literally my job is to help you do well. So I want to do everything I possibly can to do that. And if that means helping you make sure that your audio sounds good or giving you some insight into how to write a letter to, to agencies, then I would love to be able to help because that's why I started the company in the first place. A good working relationship, I think, is so important. Um, luckily, I always seem to work with lovely people, so it, it's quite easy. But making sure we get along, I always make sure before we record, and I'm sure you remember, we have a big lounge at the studio. We go, we chat, and we have a cup of tea. We get comfortable with each other because the, the, the last thing you want to be is stuck in a soundproof room with someone you don't like. We've already spoken on the phone. We've already been emailing a bunch, and then we just get to know each other. We get comfortable. Then we come into the studio. And then it's just about playing. I always say to everyone, we're just going to have a play first. We're going to read through the scripts. We're going to try things out. And I think that process is key. The last thing you want to do is just go into a booth and then start recording. You need to have some kind of warming up time. And that comes again from my music days. You know, when I used to be a session musician, I used to be terrified of just walking into a studio, plugging in and playing immediately. I needed to kind of have a rapport with people and I wanted to kind of bring that feeling and that intimacy into the voiceover studio. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I designed my studio as kind of one big open booth of people so I can be in the room with you. And I think people really appreciate that. Everyone's always commented how nice it is to just kind of be in the room together. And then just giving people the space to, to try things is, is the other one. And I just like to kind of see where we can take things. And then just making sure that things like the scripts are appropriate for the person, what they want to achieve as well, and tailoring that to them as much as possible. So it's not just a blanket read of anything, because everyone can't voice everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's why I always like have phone calls with people before I start, because I like to get to know them, who they are as a voice, what they want one thing that we do, or I do, is um, I always provide more scripts than necessary because not every script I pick is going to be right necessarily and I don't want to be stuck. So we always put together more than needed so we can then jump on different things and try different things out to make sure that what we're getting on the demo is going to be the most appropriate thing.
Having looked at a range of Voicereel production services on offer recently in the UK, the going rate currently seems to be between £200 to £700 for a single reel, depending on the company you go for and the genre. For example, video game reels tend to be more expensive than commercial or corporate. Why is it so important to get a demo reel done professionally? Well, you're a voiceover artist, and unless you're one of the lucky so-and-sos who's also a trained sound engineer, you aren't expected to be able to produce a professional quality demo reel yourself. Just like voiceover artists, demo producers make their living doing this and have amassed years of skills and experience making VOs sound their best. So for goodness sake, don't sabotage your chances of getting work just to save a few quid. The reel that most people listen to when it comes to considering you for a roster, representation or work is your commercial reel. If you have a limited budget or are just starting out and can only afford to have one reel made, this is the one to focus on. If you've already got voiceover gigs that you're proud of under your belt, then I would say for some genres, you're good to use clips of the best ones in a reel. But if you're not a dab hand at editing yourself, then it's best to pay someone who is to put it all together for you. The downside of recording your first demo reel is that you don't really know what your strengths are or what type of commercial reads are on trend at the moment. So if you're not able to get any practical coaching or voiceover training with an experienced professional, then please do lots of research and practice. Have a look at the top voiceover agency websites. See what type of spots their artists have on their commercial reels. Look out for trends. Beware of overly used scripts as some agencies use the same ones for all their artists, and that's not what you want. And also research the different types of commercial reads there are that you might want to include in your commercial reel. For instance, there are national TV ads, local radio ads, toys, continuity, TV promo, charities, public service announcements, and many more. Absorb as many ads as you can, both TV and radio, aimed at all different audiences, make notes, and see which ones your voice suits and which ones you might not want to include. And if you can and want to, write your own scripts to ensure that no one else has the exact same commercial reel as you. Join me same time next week when I'll be spilling the tea on VO genres. What's your favourite and do you need to specialise? I think it's important to become a genius in your own genre. Just the ability of of releasing the, the voices that you have in your throat. There is a couple of voices that rent rooms in my throat. I love commercial because it's usually fun and it's usually quick. Come to me and I'll do everything. But as I go along, I realise actually I'm not that fussed about that genre. I can now go and focus on trying to get work in the fields that I like doing. Thanks for tuning in, my caffeinated comrades. If this episode has sparked any questions or comments or you just want to connect, you can find my email address and social handles at KimberlyParker.com. If you haven't caught up with my other episodes, feel free to check them out and let me know what you think. You've been listening to Cup of VO. Until next time, 